Hello, and welcome to the Intentional Man Club podcast. I'm your host, Joel Collins, a fellow dad, husband, and dude trying to get a little better every day. Just move the needle a little bit, you know what I mean? If that's you too, this show is for you. We're having conversations with other guys, dads, husbands, about life. Some fun stuff and some hard stuff too. Because I found, at least in my life, we don't often talk about the hard stuff enough. And before you know it, stuff happens. Things can just start to fall apart, and I don't want that to happen. So we're here having fun and hopefully learning from each other along the way. Now, this podcast is sponsored by the Intentional Man Club, a monthly membership where we go deep into the areas of manhood, marriage, and fatherhood. We send out monthly packages that include a book study and a couple of extra items that support our monthly challenge. These challenges are designed to help you move the needle towards intentional growth in your life. Our online community is there to support and encourage you along the way. We'd love for you to join us. We're guys helping guys, iron sharpening iron. Go to intentionalman.club to sign up. That's intentionalman.club, not .com. We'll see you there. Okay, today's guest is my good friend, Dan Gossett. We go back all the way to my junior year in high school when we met at church and attended Hollywood Hills High School together. Go Spartans! We've been in each other's weddings and watched from afar as our jobs and careers have moved us to different states at times. You know that friend that you can call anytime, even when you haven't seen or even talked to them in what feels like forever? And you get on the phone and you just pick right back up where you left off? That's Dan. He's a special guy and I'm proud to call him my friend and I'm excited to introduce him to you. In this episode, we talk about being or feeling insecure and how that can translate to our kids. Things he feels like he's doing right today in the areas of manhood, fatherhood, and marriage, and things he's had to learn from in the past in the same areas. He also talked about leading our emotions as well as leading ourselves, and talked about what it means to reverse engineer our life. This was super interesting and helpful if you've ever struggled with finding direction and purpose in your life. You'll also hear all about his morning and evening routines that he swears by. We talked about our identity and how and what it takes for us to actually change who we think we are and how that can affect and impact us. This part was huge. All right, so without further ado, enjoy my conversation with my friend, Dan. Why don't you take a second to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us um, who Dan is, who your people are, your family, and a little bit about what you do. Sure. So um, my name obviously is Dan. I'm an executive pastor down in South Florida. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Stephanie, for 16 years, and we've got four fun little kids that are from 12 to four years old. Um, but I grew up in sunny South Florida and I moved away for a little bit, and now I'm back in South Florida. We love being down here. It is paradise year-round, and uh, it's a really fun place to raise a family because we're always outside doing stuff, whether we're playing with other families in the neighborhood or we're going to do some sort of adventure or somewhere around here in South Florida. We love it. Um, so we, we have a ball down here. I've known Joel forever. It's so much fun. I'm really honored to be on the podcast. And uh, I feel like most guys, if you talk to them about intentional manhood, they're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And you ask them to be an authority. And all the good guys are then hesitant. They're like, well, I don't know how much... I measure up for that, but you know, let's go for it. And then I think the more you get into it, you realize, all right, we we're good here. We got this. This is going to be good. Yeah, I definitely would not consider myself an authority at all. I'm I'm still on this journey um, with everyone else, but um, I'm that's the the whole reason I'm wanting to do this um, is just to you know move the needle, get a little better every day, and uh, being a better man, husband, and, and dad. And I also wanted to just say that's a really really awesome Zoom. 
uh, virtual background you have. That's a really, it's so sharp and clear. It looks real. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I paid good money for it. <laughs> <laughs> you got the, the trees moving and everything. That's nice. Oh so, yeah. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, we do go back. I think I was, uh, was thinking about it. We moved up in 98 and I think we met in uh, Sunday school that year. So gosh, 22, right. 24 years. Yeah. That's over half that's our crazy. lives. Yeah. So sure. I, I want I want to hear something from you. Um, so we were college roommates uh, for a, a brief moment, yes. uh, and I want to hear your your side on uh, one of the funniest stories uh, from you and I. I think, um, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I know what I know what really happened, but I, I'm curious right. your take on on this story. So why don't you share um, the infamous? Uh, I don't even know how you would what, what title would you call it. All right. So I don't know that I have a title for this incident, um, <laughs> but it was fun that we were, um, it was our freshman year of college. Convinced you to move up and live with me uh, for a semester and try it out. And um, we were living off campus in this uh, apartment and had bunk beds, um, which just everything about it is so ridiculous and immature to me, but it was such a good time. Such a good time. Um, but one night I was on the top bunk and to me, it was absolutely hilarious <laughs> that the room is dark and I'm just swinging over the top bunk with a pillow, like hitting you in the head. <laughs> what, why I just thought it was this? so funny. I, I can't remember. There's most likely no good reason. <laughs> I think I was just being dumb, but I would do it. And then you would tell me to stop and I would just be so tickled about it that I'm just laughing there. And I kept doing it a couple of times. And finally you got up, turned on the lights, pulled all the blankets off the top bunk, threw them on the ground, turned off the lights, got back in bed. And uh, it was one of those moments. And one of the things I've appreciated about our friendship is we've had a few moments where there's been legit anger, but the other person can't stop laughing at you when you're anger. So you were so mad at me, so tired, but I just could not stop laughing that night. So eventually I got out of the bed and put my sheets up there and, you know, made my bed and went to bed. But, oh, that just, I laughed so hard. I still laugh hard about that, thinking about hitting you. And then you just threw everything up from the bed on the floor. It was so good. That's funny. I don't Do you have remember. a rebuttal version? Uh, well, I, there are... I don't remember turning the lights on and I don't, I don't remember being like so angry. I just remember being like, I was just annoyed that maybe I was, I don't remember. Maybe I, I just blotted that out. Oh, that was such a good time. Yeah. That, oh, that, was, uh, that was fun. So, okay. So that, there's our friendship in a nutshell. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so uh, let's get to your family a little bit. Um, you mentioned you have yeah. four kids um, and, and their ages again, ranges. Yeah, 12, 10, 7, and 4. Okay. So uh, we've got several that are around the same age. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I'm curious. Um, I want to start with uh, the, the idea and topic of uh, insecurities. Mm. Uh, so we're going to get deep really quick. <laughs> so um, yeah. for me, growing up, um, I was just like a, such an insecure kid. I think maybe maybe a lot of people. It's, it's probably not. Uh, I'm not special in that regard, um, but it definitely carried over into my like early, early career days um, of just like feeling like I had to, um, 
I had to be the best at what I was doing. Um, and I had to be the smartest person in the room. I had to be the smartest person yeah. in the meeting with whatever, you know, was pertinent to me. Um, you know, obviously right. I wasn't in like leadership uh, roles or positions early on in my career. Um, so I would be in some meetings, obviously with senior leadership where, you know, I, I was the guy that, you know, was against the wall sitting and didn't say anything. Um, but in, in like situations that uh, involved me and that were, um, you know, part of my, my duties and realm. Like I always felt like I had to be um, the know-it-all. I had to guy. I had to be the guy with all the answers. And uh, I think I really like paid a price for that um, with some relationships uh, being like, uh, like too bossy or I don't know, just rude. Um, you know, like we probably all had that person like I was that in our lives that um, they were just insecure and you could probably tell it, you know? Um, and I think some of that stemmed from growing up, but what I'm getting at is um, like, I've, I've realized that and I'm like coming to grips with it today and, and like in, in the present uh, with like how insecure I was in the, in the past. And like, I couldn't let any vulnerability show. And so today I'm like working through that and like trying to be more vulnerable uh, with people just to be real and to, to sh- like to, for my own growth. Um, and so what I, what I think now is, or what I'm working on now is, how do I, um, how do I teach that to my kids? Um, of, cause, cause I see their insecurities. Like my son plays basketball and he, um, he's got some skills, but he's also, you know, uh, 10 and thinks he's the best, you know, on the court and, um, doesn't need to practice and, you know, uh, you know, all those, all the things, um, right, but he's also right. a kid, he's 10. So like, I want to, you know, but how, I guess my question is, how do you, um, how do you teach your kids uh, Mm. to, to be vulnerable, I guess, or that it's okay to be insecure? Um, I'm not even really sure how to phrase this question. Maybe what what, what do you think so far? So I grew up painfully shy, Mm. like painfully, painfully shy. And uh, there was like this physiological response when people would talk to me that I wasn't super close with. My face would turn beet red Mm. and I would just clam up. I'd be all sweaty and I just couldn't talk. Mm. And um, it wasn't until middle school that a friend of mine, it was my birthday on a Sunday. And there I am in Sunday school. We had this jokester of a student pastor and we knew what was going to happen. He was going to make me stand up and the whole room was going to sing happy birthday. (laughs) And the previous year when something like that happened, I just turned beet red, like my eyes would water and I would just be like a puddle, you know, I'd feel so bad. Mm. But my friend leans over to me and says, okay, you've got two options. Either you can stand up and turn red and people will laugh, or you can stand up and do something ridiculous and make (laughs) people laugh. So that began a very insecure comedic side of my personality where like, I realized I could use humor to diffuse being so embarrassed, Mm. um, which was an interesting coping mechanism. But at the same time, it gave me something to do with those feelings of insecurity and Mm. embarrassment. Um, And that has since played out. And I feel like when, no matter how old you are, when you talk to somebody who's like outside of five years from your age, if they're older than you, you're always young and don't know yet. And if they're younger than you, you're always so wise and have probably figured it out. Mm. And you realize at some point along the way, everybody doesn't have a clue what they're doing. <laughs> like we're all just figuring out whatever the moment is. And there are little niches in our life where we feel like we've 
come to some kind of understanding where we feel more confident in that area. So how do I help my kids through that? I think a big part of it is just acknowledging how awkward life can be. I've got a middle schooler who's the size of an adult, um, but is still a little kid inside this giant body. And, you know, still wants me to tuck him in at night, which I'm like, I will do that. It's weird to tuck in a man-sized child every night, but I will do that because the days are so few. And I'm, I'm wanting to reinforce like, hey, this is a safe place where you can be you. And um, we'll do, you know, we will reinforce this relationship between the two of us. And then I try and talk to all of my kids about whatever the awkward times are at school or whatever's going on and how it makes them feel. And I've tried to change my expectations that they're not going to have a really intelligible conversation. It'll be little bursts of good conversation and then back to ridiculousness of being a kid. <laughs> um, but I just try to encourage like wherever they are, whatever they're doing, um, I'm trying to encourage how they're valued rather than how they're performing. Mm. And um, I don't know, like, I hope that's doing a lot of work. Um, I feel like my, my, okay. So my sixth grader, my son is one of the only humans in history. I feel like who has thrived in middle school. Mm. So he absolutely loves the sixth grade. It's the best thing in the world to him. Um, He went to a new school where kids have been there since kindergarten together. So he's not only an incoming sixth grader, but an incoming sixth grader and all the other sixth graders have been together for five years. Yeah. And um, he loves it. He thinks it's the best thing in the world. And I'm like, well, buddy, who do you sit with at lunch? He's like, I don't know. I just sit down somewhere. I'm like, (laughs) really? Like, he's like, yeah, I just sit down and eat. And I'm like, dude, that is awesome. I love that. That's not my personality. That's, that's totally my wife. But my seven-year-old, you know, he's like clamming up at everything and I'm just helping him walk through like, okay, um, part of it is we think through what can you do in that situation in the future? How can you handle that situation? Almost like how my friend leaned over to me and said, hey, you can either clam up or you can make people laugh. It's your call. You get to do what you want. Um, But we talked through what could you do in that situation? You know, when a grown-up comes to you and you're not sure or when your friends are laughing and you're not sure um, and try and work through that. But man, I, I feel like, Part of growing up is coming to grips with your own insecurities. So I think the the main thing that I try and do for my kids is I try and provide an environment at home where they're reminded that they are loved, accepted, cherished, um, valued for who they are, not how they are or their behavior, their output, their social status, mm. um, and provide a place that it's always accepting at home and mm. reiterating in their lives, like, we take care of each other as well. Um, and I think part of, you know, as they grow up, they will find different areas that they're insecure in that I wasn't able to help them with. Um, but I hope that in our home, they're able to work through some of those things, work through thinking about the environments to make them nervous or they feel insecure and how they can uh, change that experience by thinking about how they're going to act in it or, always having somebody there who's rooting in their corner, who's excited for them. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, I hope that makes a big difference for them. I, uh, I'd love to know in the future how much counseling they have to go through to <laughs> combat that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. That's good stuff. Uh, okay. So let's move. I, I got another question here. I want you to think about um, the areas of uh, manhood, uh, marriage and uh, fatherhood. 
And when I say manhood, I'm thinking of like, you know, just personal growth, personal development, right? Like you leading you. So what would you say are like two to three things that you feel like you're doing right in each of those areas uh, today, like right now? Hmm. Um, all right. I feel like one that probably spans all three is um, having the right mindset. And, um, you know, as a person of faith, um, I believe because it's promised in scripture that, uh, Jesus is, he's working on me, that I'm not finished, that I'm not expected to be finished, Mm. uh, that I'm a work in progress and that one day it will be complete, but not really on this side of heaven. Mm. Um, so my mindset is that in all of those areas, there has been growth because it's promised that God is working on me and there will be growth. There's room for improvement in all of those areas because I'm not done growing yet. Mm. So I feel like that, um, um, like celebrated learner mentality of like, Hey, I can celebrate that I've seen growth here, but I'm, I also want to keep my eyes open and look for where's the next area to grow. I Mm. feel like that mindset has been most helpful. And that's why I started off in the beginning saying, how intimidating to be asked to be interviewed about it being an intentional man. But then like, it's all about, it's not a finished man. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the most interesting man alive. <laughs> it's uh, it's, Hey, how do you be intentional about it? So I feel like that mindset's a big one for me mm-hmm. that um, thinking and there's a lot of room to grow in these areas uh, in marriage. I feel like, gosh, I, you know, that may be the most vulnerable for most guys to say like, how am I doing there? Honestly, like, I'm glad my wife isn't right here, or maybe I wish she was here. Um, I feel like in marriage, one of the areas where I am doing well is, uh, paying close attention. Mm. Um, and maybe it's that same mindset of there's a lot of room to grow and, and there's a lot of growth that we have seen, Mm. but knowing like, um, 16 years, like there's no cruise control in marriage. Um, you've got to be thoughtful about every step and having kids transition stages. Like we just got out of 11 years of dealing with diapers every day. Um, so it's a new phase and that's a thing to celebrate that we're no longer packing a diaper bag, but at the same time, there's new challenges now that we have to be on the same page about. So I feel like trying to pay attention to what is going on? What do we need right now? Um, how can we grow and flourish in this next season? And there are some things where I have to pay attention and say, that's a desire I have. That's for another future season. We're not mm. going to see that in this season. We have to be patient. Can you give an example um, of something like that? Yeah. So we have a newfound hobby of uh, going out on the water in a boat. Mm. So we just got a little boat. And it's so much fun. I absolutely love it. Take the kids snorkeling or just go hang out at a sandbar, go check out some islands. Um, It is so much fun. And I so thoroughly want to go out just me and my wife. Mm. Like if just Stephanie and I could go out and enjoy the day, I wouldn't have to think about stopping two kids fighting over chips or (laughs) telling this one, like you don't have to deal with kids. It'd just be the two grownups and you could go further. You could do more. But in this season, the amount of time it would take for the two of us to get out there, um, to have a babysitter for like six, eight, 10 hours, like, yeah, that's just not, not really for the season. That will be a future season. Yeah. Uh, we will have years and years in our marriage where the kids aren't around anymore. We can do stuff like that. That's good. 
films. Um, yeah. So what about uh, fatherhood? Um, so I have a, a, um, a, you know, if it's anger, you call it a long fuse, but I don't know what the like good side of slower, like what's a positive way to say I'm a slow responder. You're patient. You know? That's the, there you go. I like that. That's a really good way to frame it. Very positive, right? Yeah, it's very positive. <laughs> Makes it sound much better. You know, there's what downsides are there to being patient? Yeah. yeah. Um, but in the moment, you know, my kids can push my buttons unlike anybody else. But um, I'm also quiet, so I'll pay attention to what's going on and seeing my kids in their different developmental stages and trying to realize, like, man, that was hard when I was going through that stage. You know, when you're seven and all you want to do is play mm. and you're so tired of school because they make you do stuff for longer than 30 minutes and you just want to get back to playing. Like, I remember that. That's hard. And <laughs> as an adult, I'm like, when do I get to play? Yeah. But as a seven-year-old, I'm like, buddy, I totally get it. Like, that's that's a hard stage. It's difficult. Or realizing my daughter is struggling through, like, where's my role and my authority in my own life? Mm. Um that's hard, you know, and realizing your parents are here to help you and to train you not to be mean to you. Like, mm. you know, help me understand what the problem is. And I want to help you solve the problem. Mm. Um, trying to be patient with my kids and realizing like they're going through things that are really, really big for them. Mm. And if I can slow down to think about what it's like for them, that puts me in a better frame of mind to be able to engage with whatever the issue is. Mm. Um, so Maybe that's one. Another thing I feel like I, I've learned from listening to people who have launched their kids and who have entered into Empty Nest. Um, one of the biggest things I've learned is everything with kids is in a fast season. The days feel incredibly long, mm -hmm. but the years are very, very short. So true. So whatever the big issue is with your kids, in six months, that won't be the big issue anymore. Yeah. Um, so really embrace who they are, really take advantage of every day mm. and be patient with the troubles. Like, you know, be consistent, be a good parent, mm. but, um, really enjoy who they are. Cause if not, like they are little people that ruin everything I want to do. If it's just <laughs> about me, you know, so true. So good. So, um, maybe on the flip side of that, um, yeah. think about, uh, two or three things, um, that you've had to learn, uh, you've had to grow through, you know, struggles, um, maybe where you didn't get things right in those three uh, same areas of manhood, marriage, and, and fatherhood. Um, would you be uh, willing to share a couple of those with us? Um, one of the things that I've learned in my marriage that's been really hard is there are areas where professionally, because of uh, my tenure, my position, um, I get to set a tone or a culture. Or because of my experience in the area, people look to me to help them understand how to navigate it. Mm. It's not the same at home. <laughs> um, I help our team think through how to communicate and how to navigate conflict, um, which is really awesome. And I'm very privileged to be able to do that. Mm. But that doesn't mean when I come home, I'm an expert on conflict and communication. <laughs> um, and man. You mean uh, she just doesn't go along with everything you say? <laughs> Well, can you hear that helicopter? It's gone. Okay, good. Yeah, I, you know, it's amazing when I'm put in a position where I'm not in the conflict, but I'm advising somebody on the conflict, <laughs> I can see with great clarity. 
<laughs> but when I enter into my home and I'm a part of the conflict <laughs> and I act as if I have great clarity, everything goes wrong. Not clear at all. Everything goes wrong. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so realizing just because I have success in one arena of life does not mean I have the capital to be the authority in my mm. marriage. Like marriage mm. is all about two people figuring things out between the two of them, mm. not about one entering in, helping the two of them understand how to do everything. Mm. That's um, good. So I'm hearing uh, like for other guys to, to relate, uh, regardless of what position you hold at your, your job, uh, when you come home, it's, it's you and your wife and there's equal playing field <laughs> and right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be your job. It could be your family of origin or your friend group sure. or yeah. your neighborhood. Yeah. You know, you may be the mayor and <laughs> be like, I am so good at making decisions and come home and realize you're horrible at making decisions for your family mm, yeah. uh, because you're leaving your partner out of it. Yeah. You know, you've got to bring them in. So yeah, realizing this is about teamwork and mm -hmm. I am not an authority. I'm a learner mm -hmm. and a partner, not the, not the, uh, the president. Right. We can't, we can't be dictators at home. Right. We'll right. get very far, have healthy marriages yeah. or families. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that encompasses almost everything in marriage. So I don't know how many more <laughs> examples I can come up. That's good. Um, yeah. And, uh, parenting how much time do we have <laughs> um you know i think what i would say is um there are lots of areas of parenting where we have tried to seek advice from others mm. and been frustrated when there's no good answer mm. and i think that's settling into the real the realization there's no really good answer you're mm -hmm. going to have to figure it out and wade through it. And the process is where the answer comes from, not somebody who's been through this process because they haven't raised your kids before mm -hmm. and they haven't done it with your spouse. Um, and they haven't done it in the culture that your kids are in mm -hmm. with today, with the classmates or the friend group or whatever. So I feel like um, in everything in parenting, I, you know, I was saying I have like a, you know, patient is a great way to talk about, the uniqueness of my personality, <laughs> but at the same time, I lose my patience with my kids the fastest because mm. uh, I want them to be so much further ahead than where they are. Mm. And um, or, being, or just just listen to me, just listen. Yes, yes, I've told you fifty times today <laughs> in the last hour how to do this. Like if you would just listen, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Can't relate. And to here I am. <laughs> right, right, right. And here I am fixing whatever it is that you just broke yeah. or having to buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah. I think just, you know, realizing there's not a handbook that gives you all the right answers. Mm. There's a really important process for you to go through, to learn how to be a parent to mm. your specific child. Mm. Um, and gosh, there's so many ways I've messed that up and mm. regularly mess that up. Sure. And I just have to be reminded of that. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, so, that's so true. It's, uh, I mean, something that I, I feel like maybe, maybe it's just me, but like, we don't really talk about that. Like how it's, it's all about the process, right? Parenting is, is learning every single day from doing parenting, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was having a conversation just this morning in the car with my daughter on the way to taking her to school, um, just about uh, learning and the way that you learn something is you do it and then you learn from it and then you tweak, adjust, you do it again. You repeat over and over and over and over. And parenting is that every single day 
uh, multiple times an hour, right? So what about in, in the sense of leading yourself and uh, just developing it in uh, manhood? Yeah. Um, an area where I've struggled or where I've learned or. Yeah. Something that you, you're not doing, you didn't do right before mm. uh, that you learned from. Oh, man. Uh, one of the larger themes that I feel like I've learned is. Uh, our emotions are so fickle mm. and so responsive that so many areas in life, we need to be more uh, unemotional, not as in don't have emotions, but lead your emotions. Mm. And uh, I feel like one of the ways I've learned from others, and there are seasons where I do it really, really well and seasons where I don't, mm. um, is being starting the day, reminding yourself of who you are and who God has made you. Mm. and the roles you desire in your life, mm. uh, whether it's being a patient and loving father, or it's being a romantic and engaged spouse, or it's being, uh, you know, a leader and a decision maker at work, whatever those areas are starting off kind of, you know, not the, um, the self-help guru, you know, look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you're this, but reminding yourself, like, this is who God has made me. And this is where he has put me in life. And what he has challenged me to do. And because he is working in me, these are the things he's put before me to do. So this is what I'm going to do today. Mm. Um, that has been so life-giving in some seasons, realizing like, this is really, really hard, mm. but I'm here and I'm supposed to do this because this is what God has given me to do today. Mm. So I have to walk through it and mm. I have to do this. Uh, and with his help, it'll be done. Um and then there are other seasons where I just realized, man, I'm so caught up in my emotions. I've been an absolute wreck. I've been in terribly selfish or I've avoided all responsibility or whatever it is. I'm like, I'm eating a lot of fried food and that's why I'm so <laughs> lethargic and avoiding everything. You know, whatever it is, like my emotions are so fickle and I haven't been leading my emotions. I haven't been leading myself. I'm mm. just responsive and everything. And life falls apart at that point. Mm. You know? Um, so I feel like getting ahead of the day, getting ahead of your emotions and reminding yourself, like, this is who I am. Mm. This is what God has challenged me to do. I've, I've heard you mention and talk a lot about, um, leading yourself. And I'm curious if you, um, would, uh, share with us, you know, sort of how you do that practically and maybe a little bit about like your daily or morning routine, um, that you've installed in your life and, um, how you, yeah how you lead yourself that way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was really, really influenced by a conference talk I heard in 2005. Mm. Um, and the phrase they used was reverse engineering your life. So the idea is that you think about what you want in the end and mm. you start to work backwards and say, okay, well, if that's how old, like it literally for us was, if that's how old we would like to be when our kids are graduating high school, mm. And we want so many kids at so many years apart. That means we're going to start having kids at this time. Mm -hmm. And it was before we felt like as a couple, we were like, we didn't have the itch to have kids, but we kind of looked at each other and said, all right, that means in a year we would start having kids. How do we feel about that? And we realized what we wanted at the end was so much greater than whatever it was in the moment. We were like, all right, let's do it. Like, this is what we want. Yeah. Um, so we were able to do that. So bringing that into my daily life, um, having goals and so many people talk about goals and they sound so overwhelming, mm -hmm. but having a goal, like, you know, my goal is to be really engaged with my kids this year. 
Like that's mm. a great goal. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to spend 20% of my calendared week with this child to make sure I'm developing them in this area. No, I want to be a really thoroughly engaged dad, or maybe mm. it's, I want to make sure we spend a lot of time outside this summer mm. and that we really take, like have a simple goal that gives you direction. And then from that, you build in an idea. So um, there are a couple areas professionally, relationally, spiritually, where I have some statements that I'm like, you know, I want to be a very engaged, loving, providing husband. Mm-hmm. I want to be a very um, available, fun, and relationally connected dad. Mm-hmm. And I want to be a very competent, successful, and um, bold leader at mm-hmm. work. So I have these ideas. And then um, I have something, for lack of a better term, I call it a personal manifesto. Mm-hmm. and um, and it's just a, it's a short note in my phone that I read most mornings and it starts for me, it starts with scripture mm-hmm. and it has a piece of scripture. And then from that, I write a couple sentences of what that means for me. Mm-hmm. And then I write a couple sentences of how that gives me a behavior that drives toward that final goal. Is this journaling that you're doing in the morning or is it? So it's. It's stuff I've put together over time and I just read through this manifesto. Oh, okay. okay. And, and then I'll spend time journaling and okay. reading my Bible and talking to Stephanie, but just reading, being reminded of who I am and who mm-hmm. God has made me um, is so helpful to start the day like that of like, you know, God has not given me a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but of love, power, and self-discipline. So I know starting off the day, like God did not give me a, a reason to be afraid. He gave mm-hmm. me a reason to be um, loving. And to be disciplined. So I'm going to go through my day realizing, like, believing I am a loving and disciplined person and having that identity that started in the morning rooted in scripture and in statements about who I am coming out of scripture, Mm -hmm. then gives me behaviors and actions during the day I'm not even thinking about because they're flowing out of that identity that started Mm -hmm. early. That's good. Um, So, and a lot of like, uh, the book Atomic Habits. I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits. It's phenomenal. I yeah. love it. James so Clear does such a good job. And one of his really big points is stop telling yourself you're going to go to the gym five times a week, <laughs> but tell yourself you're a healthy person who exercises often. Right. Get that identity down. And then going to gym is an outflow of your identity. Right. So I start with the identity piece and I've built in over time, you know, it changes, but I just have the same short Apple note thing that I read through and I'll edit it if something doesn't fit anymore, or if there's something else I read, that's really powerful. I want to include. Um, and I start with that solid ground of like, this is who I am. This is who God has made me. And these are the priorities that he has in my life right now. Mm. Um, so this is where I'm going to start. And, um, and then the big key that's kind of assumed in that is I wake up before my kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because my kids, the rule at our house is you have to stay in your bed until 6 a.m. Mm. Uh, all of my kids wake up early. So they have to stay in bed before 6 a.m. That's early. So we get up. Yeah, we get up at 5. Yeah. And uh, for some people, that sounds like that's insanity. Like they go to bed at 5. But like you just do it enough and it becomes routine. And yeah. we wake up at 5. I've got the coffee set. So I come downstairs, pour a cup of coffee. My wife and I sit down on some couches and you know, we quietly spend some time reading and kind of getting our head together and spending some time in scripture and praying and uh, maybe reading a book for development. 
and uh, have that solid hour of mm. being an adult and a human before I'm engaging with my responsibilities of taking care of the other humans in my life. Yeah. That's good. Um, I wonder, uh, I'm curious, uh, the idea of, you know, your morning starts the night before, right? Um, yeah. so what are a couple things that you do uh, in your evening routine to help you, uh, uh, be successful at five o'clock in the morning? Yeah, that's really good. Um, so the biggest thing I do, um, the night before to make sure the morning is success and probably the most important is prep the coffee. Uh, before I head to my room, I make sure the coffee maker is locked and loaded, that it, the timer's on. Priorities. So in the morning, the alarm, the alarm goes off and then I can hear the beep that the coffee's <laughs> done. Um, so that's, that's an important thing. Um, I do really simple, practical things. Um, I feel like not every hour is the same, uh, mm -hmm. in value. And sometimes it's easier to make decisions the night before mm -hmm. than it is in the moment when you've got to have the decision done. So. I, I take a shower at night. Mm. Um, I lay out my clothes for the next day mm. because I don't know why this is, but every morning I walk in my, or every evening I go in my closet and I'm like, all right, this shirt, this pants, boom, done. But in the morning I walk in, I'm like, all right, what do I want to wear? <laughs> I don't, and like, I don't have that many clothes. It's no different than the night before, but for some reason in the morning, it's harder to make that decision. So I pick out the clothes I'm going to wear the next day. I lay them out. So it's easy. I have the coffee prepped. I even put a coffee mug in front of the coffee maker. Um, just whatever I'm going to, yeah, whatever I'm going to read or study or spend time in in the morning is set out on the coffee table. Mm. Um, I try and have everything set up. So in the morning I wake up and I just, I walk through the space and everything is laid out and ready for me. Mm. Uh, and that removes so much friction from mm. the morning. It makes it so easy to get in there. It's true. It's like giving your, you gave yourself a gift, your future self, a gift the night before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just started doing the, uh, the coffee mug, uh, out, um, recently and then also laying a glass. Cause I'm really bad about drinking water first thing in the morning. Like I usually just, cause I want the coffee immediately. So I started right. laying a glass next to the coffee mug and, um, in some you know period of time between I'm waiting on something, uh, with a coffee, then I'll fill the glass half full and drink that. And then I get my coffee mug. So I'm, I'm trying to do be better at that. Um, yeah. so, okay. Let me ask you this. You've been doing this for a long time, uh, five o'clock, uh, and you have kids that are early risers. The hardest yeah. thing for me, uh, getting up early is actually the getting up part. So I'll set the alarm and it'll go off. And, and I, Jen and I don't get out of bed at the same time. I usually get up a little bit before, yeah. But man, some mornings is just, you know, uh, do you ever like, do you ever bump into that or has it just become so routine that you just, um, oh, it, 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 like you're one of those people that you hear the thing, the the ring, and then you just like pop up. Is that you? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like a litmus scale of people who are like, they work like machines. They mm -hmm. just, you know, they sit up in bed as the alarm clock starts <laughs> and there are other people that, um, they just, they've never had a routine in their life. Mm. I think I'm more toward machine, but I'm, I still have those days where the alarm clock goes off and I just, I turn it off and I'm like, Nope, not today. Not gonna happen. <laughs> and, uh, that happens. So do you give yourself and grace in that moment or. Yeah, absolutely. You, you get so, up 15 minutes later. Is it like 30 minutes late? And then like the whole morning and then. Yeah. I feel like, um, so if the identity is more important than the action, mm -hmm. then my identity is I'm somebody who takes the time to wake up in the morning. 
yeah. uh, that I have coffee. I connect with, uh, spiritually, I connect with God mm. relationally. I connect with my wife. Mm-hmm. I have some quiet time where I'm connecting with my own thoughts and mind. Like that's who I am. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that happens every single day. True. If that happens four times a week, that's still who I am. Yeah. Uh, and four times a week is great. Yeah. You know, for some people it'll be eight times a week or somehow, you know, I don't know, but like <laughs> for me, it's four or five times a week. That's exactly yeah. who it is. And then Saturdays I don't set an alarm. I just sleep in. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like being a, a morning person isn't about never missing a morning. Yeah. It's about more times than not you wake up and you do it. Mm. And if you realize, man, I don't know what I did yesterday, but it was so hard to wake up mm. today. And I, I miss that morning. Then you realize it's even more important that I go to bed early tonight because mm. whatever it was, that made me tired. I've got to go to sleep earlier tonight to make sure that happens. Yeah. That's so, it's so important that, uh, what you're talking about, tying it to your identity and who, you, who you want your identity to be, uh, yeah. which is something I think that so many guys don't think about. They just accept their identity of, oh, this is who I am and right. without, without thinking or considering the idea that uh, it doesn't have to be who I am, that I can be right. who I want to be. <laughs> and then yeah. intentionally towards that by, by uh, doing the actions or whatever it takes to become that person. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Every, every guy has some area of life where they've realized they don't know how to do something. Mm-hmm. but whether it's through getting a personal trainer or a coach or finding the right YouTube video or mm-hmm. asking a friend, they learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe at some point they didn't know how to beat a level or play a video game well, and they learned how to do it. They didn't know how to fix something in their home and they watched the right YouTube video or they watched the expert do it and learned how to do it or mm-hmm. work on their car or, you know, teach a kid how to ride a bike, whatever it is, you learn how to do it. Like mm-hmm. that's what we are we can do that. Mm-hmm. But there are so many areas of life where we just kind of resign ourselves to that's who I am. I can't change. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, man, what a blind spot for us, especially as men, when we do that, we just kind of, we saddle everybody else around us with the current state of who we are. Mm-hmm. And we imprison them with, I'm never going to change. I'm mm-hmm. never going to change rather than saying like, I can grow. Like mm-hmm. I'm a work in progress. Like I can learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. And there's so many areas we'll decide it's not worth it for me to learn how to do this. I c- I'm sure if I put in enough time, I could be a concert violinist. <laughs> I don't know how to play the violin uh-huh. and it's, it doesn't line up with my current values for me to spend the time to do that. Other guys will do it. They'll be amazing musicians. It'll be awesome, but that's just not something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, I've got a couple of questions left for you uh, before I let you go. Um, this next one, um, imagine uh, that you met Doc Brown and discovered a way to uh, send three letters back in time to yourself. Um, so here's, here's where, here's where you're, you're, you're writing. Uh, the first letter would be um, to yourself as um, an 18, 18 year old, 20, 21 year old, you know, just coming into manhood. Um, okay. What would you tell yourself? with everything that you've experienced and know today and it can't be stock tips. Yeah. 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 Oh man. If I could, if I could reconnect with my, like, um, like my just, college self, just graduating high school. Um, yeah, that's it. Starting so into adulthood. Of, yeah. A big part of the problem is I wonder 
Um, even if I had Doc Brown show up and I knew Back <laughs> to the Future, I knew Doc Brown was, even if he showed up and he said, this is a letter from your future self, I wonder would 18, 19, 20 year old me listen? <laughs> Mm. You know, what I actually take the advice, I had really good advice from guys like you in my life at that season that I didn't take because mm. uh, I was so arrogant. So if if I could write a letter and there's some sort of magic in the letter that would actually make me listen, <laughs> um, it would be um, to develop and maintain uh, friendships with other men in my life who love me and want the best for me mm. and to listen to them. Mm to listen to them. Don't shut them out. Don't think I always know better. Listen mm. to them. God has given them to me as a gift. Mm. Maintain those relationships and listen. Um, Cause that man, I mean, if I could go on back to middle school, me and told myself that like I could have avoided a lot of stupid mistakes. <laughs> in life. Um, but yeah, I think listening to the community of men that are around you mm. is so incredibly valuable. And I don't think I really learned how to do that until later. Mm. Um, and really take to heart with it. You know, I loved those friends and I loved spending time with them and asking them questions, but they're areas of my life. I wouldn't let them speak into, not mm -hmm. that I would shut them up when they're talking, but I just wouldn't take their advice. I wouldn't listen to them. I would think they're, your advice is way off. You don't know. Mm. Um, but gosh, I wish I listened more. Mm. That's so good. Isn't that funny too, that like, I mean, that's, that's advice that I need today still, you know, in a lot yeah, of areas. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, right. That's good stuff. Yeah, we never grow out of it. Yeah, yeah, should never stop listening to people. Um, okay, second letter would be um, one month after you and Stephanie got married. Mm. The honeymoon's over, life's hitting. What would you tell Dan? Man, this is a really good question. This um, pointing out different phases of life and what would you say to yourself that? Man, there was so much. Um, available time <laughs> and energy <laughs> in that season of life. Um, pre-kids. Yeah. Pre-kids. Like I think, honestly, I think I had started to learn how to listen well in that season to people who had been married a long time. Mm. Um, I think if I could go back and give myself insight, in that season, uh, it would be that she's the authority on how to understand her. Mm. Um, there's nobody else. I can't do it. Like I need to listen how she interprets herself mm. and I need to get really familiar with that because when she says she's hurt or frustrated by something or not feeling loved because of something or has expectations of me that I'm not meeting, um, I need to listen to where those are coming from, not correct her and tell her what they should be. Mm. So uh, I wish that I would have known early on that she's the best way to interpret herself and mm. she's the authority on what she's thinking and feeling mm. and experiencing. And I need to pay close attention to that. That's really good. And, and also, again, something that's really good for uh, today too, still. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Lessons I think I've, I've started to learn yeah, yeah, we're, and uh, reading the chapter. Working yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, That's good. But if, man, if I could have started that earlier, yeah, uh, that would have been really good. What a good muscle to have. that's well-developed, you know, once you hit those, I feel like there are pain points in marriage. There's like that. 
five to seven year window where people have a lot of struggles. Mm -hmm. And then there's also that, like, they get to like the 12 year, somewhere between like 12 to 15, Mm -hmm. where there are those predictable rhythms where it's like, you know, you have the honeymoon season, then two years in, Mm -hmm. uh, you have a baby, but then when the second baby comes, um, you've been together eight years, things aren't as new. You've been Mm -hmm. together 12 years. So I feel like there are those rhythms that, if you had a well-developed muscle of, of high relational, uh, equity and mm. intuition, mm. those, those hiccups would be much easier to navigate. Yeah. Communications that plays such a pivotal and crucial role in all that being able, yeah. open and being able to just talk through those kinds of, um, uh, feelings and, uh, struggles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Third letter, third letter. Okay. One week before your oldest kid was born, what would you tell Dan? I was so, so, so ready for it. Um, Out of all of the phases of my life, I feel like this having kids, uh, having at least my first, was one of those phases where I had looked forward to that. And I feel like I learned how to take good advice and I sought so much advice. Mm. Um, I don't know that I would change anything about the way I thought. Um, so when I, when I was getting ready to have a baby, um, Stephanie and I were trying for a while and struggled with some infertility and early Mm. miscarriage. And when we, uh, had a healthy pregnancy that was coming to term and we were so excited. Um, Stephanie was making like twice as much money as I was in her own business. Mm. And, uh, and talking again with that plan of like, what did we want in the end? She was like, Hey, I want to close down this business. We'll live on your income and I want to be at home full time. Mm. And we said, okay, let's do it. You know, this is what we get to do together. Let's do it. And I purposely scaled back at work in school um, so that I could have that time with an infant. And I remember a good friend of mine who I was working with, who had a couple kids, encouraged me to do the opposite. He said, hey, throttle up. Because I was still in school. I was finishing my master's and I was working full time. He said, throttle up school. Like this first year, your child's not going to remember any of it. (laughs) Um, And if you could knock out so much more school, you'll have so much more available time for when they're forming memories. Mm. But I feel like those days when I would sit at home and have this swaddled infant on my legs and just be making noises and faces with him were so pivotal, so pivotal for me developing my identity as the dad and the priority of my kids um, that I don't know that I would change much. I probably would write a very uh, heartfelt letter expressing the joy that I've had in 12 years of being a dad Mm. and reiterating like all those things you've heard, don't forget any of them. Like they're just yours for 18 years. Mm. Um, and then you launch them. And out of that 18, you probably only get like 10 to 12 good ones where they're interactive and you're still on their good side and things are good. (laughs) So, um, I really feel like my heart and mind were in the right place when I had kids mm. and I maybe knowing the joys and the, um, how much I would love being a dad, uh, would just be what I'd tell myself, like, 
this is going to be really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Really good. And maybe I would also, um, our first was kind of, uh, um, so out of four kids, we had four kids in very different circumstances. The first one was in a hospital, very traditional method. Mm. Uh, the second one was in a birth center. Mm. The third one was in our living room on purpose. Um, and the fourth one, we tried to do living room, had an emergency transfer to a hospital, had some other things going on that were never resolved, never figured out where the Ooh. pain and scary stuff was coming from, but ended up with healthy mom, healthy baby in the end. Mm. Um, so maybe I would have comforted myself of like, God is in control of each birth of every child. Mm. Um, lean into him, trust him in the moment and trust that he has put me as Stephanie's husband in those moments and the father of that child. So mm. be there, be present, make the decisions that are needing to be made. Um, boldly move forward because she needs you more than anything right now. Mm. And, uh, and this is going to be so much fun. Don't miss it. That's awesome. So, yeah. It's beautiful, man. Um, okay. So last question before I let you go, thanks for everything you've uh, shared yeah. uh, so far. Um, and you've talked a lot about, um, even going back to you know, reverse engineering your life, um, mm. and, and what that takes to, to get there. Uh, so our podcast is called the intentional man club podcast. What does being intentional mean for you? Yeah. So being intentional is more about doing things on purpose. There's some sort of reason behind it rather than just kind of floundering through it. Mm. Um, so intentional man club to me is it's a, a club of men who haven't figured it out, but who know what they want. Mm. They know what they want and they're going to go for it. And uh, we're figuring out how to pursue whatever that goal, dream, or future is um, and how to grow into what we want. Mm. So that's what I think of intentional man club. It's a bunch of guys who like, you know, I think about hanging out with my younger brother who um, we've had so many fun conversations around a fire pit or something talking about ridiculous things. <laughs> Um, but then we've also had brief moments where we're sharing like, Hey, this is something I'm learning. This is something I'm reading and really understanding right now. And I feel like that's the community that intentional man club is. It's that closeness of like, I'm not trying to be you. You're not trying to be me, but we're both realizing we need to learn to grow as husbands, as men, as fathers. Um, we're not done. We're going to grow and we're being intentional about where we're going and what that picture is and what that identity is. Rather than just like, I don't know, man, this happened this week. It was crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome stuff, man. Hey, I want to just take a second and um, affirm you. Thank you for your friendship uh, and for everything um, that you mean and have, have spoken into my life. Uh, I appreciate it more than you'll ever know uh, for your friendship and for your family, for all the good work that you're doing down in South Florida. Um, it's inspiring, inspiring, brother. Um, thanks for being on our show, man. Thank you, Joel. It's an honor, man. It is so much fun. It's unique to have friendships like ours where we live states apart and we may go, you know, a year or two without talking or anything. But when we jump into a conversation, it's like no time has passed. We jump right back in and hang out. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time you and Jen are down here and hanging out and talking in person. But uh, I'm so excited about Intentional Main Club, about being in the community of guys who are learning how to be the men that we want to be and feel called to be. And uh, I'm so honored to be a part of that as well. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you can think of someone who might benefit from listening to it, please do go ahead and forward them the link of this episode. Last thing, we are a new podcast and would love your help to get the word out. Podcast reviews go a long way in helping us do this. 
please leave us a nice review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I really appreciate it. Okay, till next time, thanks and have a great day. 